That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, this is Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. The NSO group has been in the news about its controversial spyware a lot. I think any conversation about spyware needs to start with the recognition that spying is one of the oldest professions in the world. It happens all the time, all over the world. It is one of the tools used by governments to keep people safe from crime, terrorism, and more. Some countries regulate how spying is done better than others. Some countries are better at spying than others, and as uncomfortable and distasteful as spying is, we can't pretend it away. World leaders are spied on, as are regular people who may have information a government needs, hopefully for legitimate purposes. But sometimes these spying tools are indeed misused. I was a target for espionage when I worked at the White House, and some people tell me I'm still a target. Why is NSO so publicly criticized for its spyware? What makes NSO different? To help me understand more about NSO's technology, what the criticism of NSO is about, and how NSO responds to this criticism, I went straight to the source. I had a discussion with Shalev Julio, the co-founder and CEO of NSO Group. Shalev is a serial entrepreneur and investor who has founded several high-tech companies. He has served as a major in the IDF Forces Search and Rescue Unit and has been involved in a number of search and rescue operations in Israel and abroad. I'm glad Shalev was willing to take the time to speak to me about the accusations and criticism of NSO so that we could all learn more about this controversial subject and determine for ourselves if the criticism is valid, appropriate, and realistic. We have to think about whether NSO has in place appropriate and realistic protocols to address the criticism against it. We also have to consider the risk to our societies if law enforcement does not have the best-in-class tools at its disposal to prevent crime, terrorism, and other threats to us and our countries. One important note for my audience. NSO is bound by confidentiality agreements with law enforcement agencies and other clients, which prohibit Shalev from naming NSO's clients or describing their activities. I don't think naming names is necessary to understand the issues or my discussion with Shalev. I'm Jason Greenblatt, and this is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Shalev, thank you so much for joining me to discuss this really interesting and complicated topic. I want to start with uh, the Washington Post. The Washington Post described NSO as being at the center of a global debate over the weaponization of powerful and largely unregulated surveillance technology. What I found interesting about the piece was that it did say there was a global debate, and it spoke about how this technology is unregulated. Yet there's a group of people who are attacking you and NSO as if this thing is thoroughly regulated, and sometimes they make it seem like NSO is breaking the law, which isn't true. Um, Tell me about this article and how you see things in terms of the global debate. So first of all, I, I, uh, I agree that there is a debate, and I think the reason for the debate is that uh, people don't really understand the pain or the problem. So let's talk for a second about what uh, intelligence agencies need today in order 
to fight crime and to fight uh, terror and what uh, how they did it in the past and what was evolved along along the years so basically before uh, the smartphone era uh, if uh, you wanted to collect intelligence you would go to the mobile carrier with the judge warrant and you would tell them that this a guy is a suspect of criminal activity and from that moment on you want to intercept his voice conversation and SMS and, and, and you would start doing that you could basically listen to any of his voice and any of his text messages that was method number one it was called li lawful interception the second method is basically a computer a machine that analyzed everything that all All the communication in the mobile carrier all the voice conversation in the mobile carrier are are uh, happening at current moment and if somebody would say suspicious words I'm always giving the, the example of uh, if you would say a White House president assassination bomb in one sentence it will raise a flag this known as mess surveillance and those two methods was very common and And most of the law enforcement and intelligence agencies used them very successfully until the era of the smartphone so uh, when smartphone became uh, popular it came with application instant message application social media application it came with encryption and end-to-end encryption and this encryption is basically what uh, took uh, the intelligence agencies to an error the law enforcement agencies to To an era that they uh, called uh, going dark basically from the moment uh, the end-to-end encryption entered into our life which for us the consumer is a very good thing and it's keeping our privacy for the intelligence agencies and the law enforcement agencies that needs to take care of our security it's became a problem because they could no longer prevent crime or prevent terror attacks and it's became a huge problem between privacy and And security so this is the debate as I see it how from one end you can let the intelligence agencies doing their work or keep keeping us all safe and from the other hand not damage the privacy and not break the end-to-end encrypted which is essential to all of us now what about the regulation aspect of this is a company like NSO regulated and if so by whom There is few groups of companies, and again, I think there is some confusion uh, about what are the groups of the companies that are in this world. Uh, so if I can take like one minute and describe those groups. So uh, group number A, which is, I, I believe, a, a, a group where NSO is part of, but it's obviously uh, not alone in this group, is basically... Uh, companies that are regulated and they are regulated by uh, our, us uh, our company for example is regulated by the Israeli MOD which is the equivalent of the US ITA which means that we cannot sell and we cannot meet we cannot do any marketing activities without getting marketing license or export license from our govern- government and we have a lot of restrictions to who we are selling what we are selling and and what are the capabilities that we allow to sell and there are many other companies in this field and I think this field is regulated maybe it should be more regulated maybe we should talk global globally about what's regulated a uh, regulation means and we can elaborate on that but basically 
there are many uh, groups, of, uh, many companies in Israel, in Europe, uh, in the US that are under regulation. The second group of companies are companies that are uh, trying to avoid regulation by going to uh, regulation shelters, let's call it. It's the equivalent of tax shelters that had in the past. So we're talking about uh, countries that doesn't really have export control mechanism or any kind, any kind of regime that uh, needs uh, export control. And that's companies by purpose opening their companies in those countries. And that allows them basically to export their goods to any country that they want without any limitation and without any regulation. I think this one definitely needs to be addressed. I think countries should not buy from those companies that are not regulated. And I think the, 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 the countries that those companies working from definitely needs to regulate them. So that's group B. Uh, group C is basically countries. So if you ask uh, who is the competition of those companies, you will figure out that there are a few governments around the world. Uh, I think the most common probably would be Russia and China uh, that providing similar capability to other countries, sometimes even for free. Uh, so those, this is group number three. It's actually governments or countries giving those capability to other countries. It's also not regulated. Nobody knows how these deals works. Involving a lot of uh, political and, and, and other kinds of deals. And group number four would probably be uh, what uh, sometimes referred to as hackers for hire. Those are basically not companies that provide solutions, but companies that, in that essence, are sort of mercenaries. Uh, you provide them the name of the person, his email, his uh, phone number, and they are providing both to the intelligence agencies, but also to private companies and individuals that they want to hire as their service, they provide them the intelligence, which means that they actively doing the intelligence work, which all the other companies doesn't do. So we're talking about four different groups of companies. Uh, sometimes because of lack of understanding, they uh, think, okay, it's all one group of company, which is not necessarily true. So there is regulation in this field, specifically in group number A, in countries that are uh, in, uh, that are exports of goods from countries that have regulation mechanism, mainly Israel, Europe, US. And the rest, I, I agree with the Washington Post and, uh, and with the global calls that, that it is a problem that needs to be addressed. So this is how I see it. So it sounds like from the way I read it and even your answer, they group all these groups together and for some reason they've rolled them all up into NSO and you've become the lightning rod of this entire problem. Uh, because whenever I read about this, I always hear about this controversial spyware called Pegasus, which is your, your spyware. Uh, why don't we start by describing to the listeners, why did you call it Pegasus? So basically the, the employees uh, choose this name and, uh, you know, we founded the company back in 2010 and they want this company to be a unicorn and they want it to be a unicorn fest. So unicorn with wings. So this is how they came with uh, uh, Pegasus. So uh, <laughs> this is basically uh, how they came and uh, we didn't choose it. It, uh, it was the employees that said this is how they want to call the, the product. And we said, OK. Got it. So in a riff off the name Pegasus, there's now something called the Pegasus Project. 
who are they, what are they concerned about, and what's your message to the Pegasus Project? So first of all, it's, uh, you know, it's weird that it's called Pegasus Project, specifically after uh, even the Washington Post and the chief editor of the Washington Post basically uh, uh, wrote that uh, they don't know where the list came from, they don't know who puts the number on the list, and they could not provide any evidence that this list relates either to NSO or to Pegasus. I believe it's, uh, you know, they had a list, and uh, they claimed that they have a 50,000 numbers list, which we never saw. Uh, we call it the list that not exists. We, we asked to see it uh, many, many times, and, and, and they refused uh, to share any information about this list, where it's from, how they received it, what's the number there, how it looks like. And, and I can tell you that, you know, the way that we are operate, there is no such list that NSO is having. All right, each customer operates separately. There is no a cloud or one computer that gathers all the information about uh, uh, the targets. From the moment we founded NSO until this day, we never even had accumulated 50,000 uh, targets because when we provide a system, we provide it with a, a very small amount of targets, limitation of how many targets you can operate on. So, so the number doesn't seem uh, real. You know, I, I, I spoke with them before uh, the article and I told them, listen, you got it all wrong because probably a month and a half before uh, they published the story and before they even approached us, we've been approached by a few people, not by one, by, by, by two or three different individuals that basically told us that uh, there is a list that allegedly was hacked from Pegasus a server from uh, in Cyprus and a, a list of 40,000 uh, numbers were uh, leaked and somebody is uh, actually uh, trying to sell it or uh, uh, circle it around. And when we investigate, investigate the information that we received, we realize that it just can't be. You know, there is, like, like I said, we don't have servers in Cyprus. None of our servers has been hacked. We don't have a list or information that gathered from all the It just doesn't make sense. And, and, and we told to those individuals, third parties, brokers, told them, listen, it doesn't make sense. And they basically said, you know, we, we, we have some samples of the list and, and we asked them to share with us the samples and, and they did share the samples with us. And when we started to check the samples uh, and we went to all the customers and, and, and make some technological tests and checks and to make sure to understand if those lists came from them or not, we realized that there is no connection between Pegasus to the samples from that list. So I think two things. One, I think this is uh, the biggest manipulation in the new age of uh, media. I called it uh, personally uh, the second uh, Dreyfus affair. This is how I describe uh, the list, and it's coming also from France, so, so it's all, it all makes sense. But, but, but I think that eventually it's not just the uh, NSO uh, per se. We, we see a trend uh, in the recent uh, weeks that basically going not just against NSO, obviously NSO gets most of the heat because we are the biggest and, and probably the most known in this field. We actually see a campaign against all the Israelis uh, cyber intelligence companies. It started uh, 
a few weeks ago with uh, Celebrite that uh, wants to IPO the company. Celebrite is, uh, is another company in this uh, cyber world. And, and like 30 or 40 NGOs wrote a letter to the NASDAQ and to the New York Stock Exchange, asked them not or to cancel the IPO and the SPAC and not let them to, uh, to take the company public because they are violating human rights and that uh, the, the Israeli export control is not good enough. This is what they said in, in the letter. Then they uh, went after another company called the Kandiru. Then they went after NSO. Then they went after another company called the, uh, remember the name? Uh, I don't remember the name, but another company. And, and even in the articles that was published against NSO, uh, there was always criticisms about Israel and about the mechanisms of the regulation that the government of Israel puts on cyber regulation. So it seems that, that you know, it, it seems like much broader campaign with a, a bigger agenda, just, uh, not just NSO. Obviously, NSO received the, all the hits. And this time we're receiving criticism from a list that don't really exist. We have not seen her. And we they, even they couldn't provide any evidence that the list that they have, that, like I said, they never share or, or say anything about her, how it relates uh, to Pegasus or to NSO. Uh, and they could not provide any evidence. So, so in that essence, for me, it's a, it's a bit sad that we're getting all this media attention from something that don't... Uh, really exist. Is the media at least giving you the ability to respond to what seem to be charges that are either um, manipulated or fake or exaggerated? Uh, in, in most of the cases, yes. And I think that, you know, it was a consortium of journalists. And I think that if you take, for example, the Washington Post, they were, I think, the most logic and the most reasonable newspapers. They gave us, you know, they sat with us and and, and we respond to them and they understand exactly what it is. And, and, and they mention in every article that uh, they could not find any connection between the list uh, to, to Pegasus uh, or to NSO. And, and they could not, and, and they said that they could not uh, uh, validate where the list came from. So, so this example of, 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 uh, of, of a news or, or a jewel, like a newspaper that, uh, that ask us for uh, comments and talk to us uh, uh, many times during the publications. On the other hand, you have a media like uh, Le Monde that uh, you know published whatever he wants, and and uh, I think m- maybe he sent us one letter and asked for comments, but he published a lot of things that were completely wrong. For example, about uh, Macron, uh, President Macron from France and his uh, cabinet members that, uh, you know, we said many times that they were never targets of Pegasus, yet he decided uh, to publish uh, things like that. And this is why we are now considering defamation lawsuit against them. Look, I have my issue with mainstream media sometimes, um, including the Washington Post sometimes, but it's good to hear that they were very professional on this uh, topic. Um, I actually read the article fully and was surprised that... Um, given the controversial nature of Pegasus and NSO, I thought it was a very fair article. So it's a, a bright spot in my day to hear that uh, we do a good job here in America, even if France isn't doing such a great job. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think the standards of the Washington Post were uh, much higher than the other uh, media outlets that we spoke with. Good to hear. When you started NSO, you said you understood the technology could be abused in private hands. 
So you decided you would license only to certain government entities, and you also decided that NSO would have no visibility into the individuals targeted by NSO's customers once you sell a customer a software license. How did you come to this decision and why? So when we founded the company in 2010, we basically realized that if we will do what we're about to do, it's going to be a very powerful uh, tool. And we came to a few conclusions and we made basically four rules. Uh, the first rule was that uh, we're only going to sell to government. It sounds very trivial right now, but I can tell you that along the years we had many individual businessmen and even uh, big tech companies from the U.S. that actually uh, came to us and wanted to buy uh, product or the technology or some of the technology we always refused because we decided that we will only work with governments. The second decision that we received was that we're not going to work with any government, which means that if you are a government, it doesn't necessarily give you an automatic approval to buy the product. And along, along the years, we had much more governments and countries that we refused to do business with, and we refused to sell them our products and countries that eventually uh, we sold them the product and became uh, customers because we thought that there is certain countries that we should not do business with. Uh, so we refused to a lot of countries along the years. The third rule that we uh, decided that we are a technology company. And it means that we develop the technology ourselves. We hand it over to the law enforcement agency or to intelligence agencies, and they are the one who will use it. So in that essence, we're not mercenaries, we're not hackers for hire, we're providing software solution, we're providing it to the end user, and they are the one that doing the operation, and we do not want to take part in these operations because we're not an intelligence company, we're not a, a, a spying company, we want to be a technology a company. We want to have, and we need to have, accountability because we believe that everyone that uh, in this field should have a, an accountability, so we build some mechanism around it. But the essence is that we do not want to be in a position that we are operating those technologies, and we never, ever operate the technology. And rule number four was that we want to be a regulated company. And, and, and I said that uh, we can elaborate what regulated company means. So maybe in a sentence, it means that uh, for every meeting, you need to get a marketing license. And for every sale, you need to get an export license from the government. And it also means that besides the agreement that we are uh, signing between us and the intelligence agency or the law enforcement agency that's purchasing uh, uh, our solutions. Uh, and in that agreement, we are saying that uh, they can only use this, uh, uh, this solution in order to prevent crime and terror. And we define what is crime and what is terror activity. Uh, we're also saying that every use which is not part of crime investigation or terror investigation will consider an issue. Besides all that, besides the agreement that we have with the end user, there is another agreement between the government that purchase the product to the government uh, that export the product. It's called end user certificate. By the way, it's an open, uh, 
you know, it's, it's common knowledge. Uh, you, you can go uh, uh, to the MOD website and, and, and see the template. And basically this template means that this uh, uh, document means it's a government-to-government -government agreement in that essence, which one government uh, acknowledged to the other government that they are going to uh, purchase the software, that they will not transfer it to any third parties. And there is a sentence that you can add that you change according to any product that you have because it's different from product to product. We are saying that in their signing that this product can only be used to fight against crime and terror and to investigate crime and terror and should be used only according to the human rights global standards. And so regulation means that it's not obligation just for us as a commercial company, but there is also an obligation from the, uh, from the uh, law enforcement or the intelligence agency that actually purchase uh, the system, uh, an obligation to the government of Israel in that essence. This is what regulation means. So your customers have to commit to following certain rules. What happens if they breach those rules? Are you able to tell? And if you can tell that they breached it, is there a consequence? Yes. So, you know, I, I said before that we do not expose and we have no visibility to the operation of uh, what our customers are doing, right? But we do have a right, not even a way, a right to ask them to investigate their activity. If we received any information or uh, any tip uh, about any misuse that happened with their systems. So we have a technological mechanism, it's called audit trailog, which the customers, according to the agreement that we have with us, uh, must give us access when we are uh, conducting an investigation. And in that log, uh, we can basically query phone numbers to, to understand if they were the target or were not a target uh, of Pegasus, and it allows us to, to start the investigation. So uh, uh, this is a list, it's built in a way that it's encrypted and it cannot be tempered with, and only uh, our guys have access to it with the customer approvals, obviously. And the customer knows when we are uh, having an agreement with the customer, first it's mandatory that he will give us access. Not giving us access to this uh, audit trail means that they are violating uh, the agreement and we will shut down the system. And if we are checking and the allegations are true and they did misuse the system and we find and we query this number and find that those allegations are true, uh, uh, then we have the full right uh, to end the agreement, but end the agreement is one part. We also have the way to terminate the system immediately. And we have done it in the past uh, for five different uh, customers that uh, we shut off their systems uh, because they violated the agreement that we have. But I think more than that, they violated the trust that we gave them. Because when we are uh, uh, giving those tools to government, we truly believe that they will only use it to fight against crime and against terror. And if we are figuring out, okay, that somebody used those capabilities to intercept a journalist or a dissident or a human rights activist, this is something that the company will not stand for. This is something that it's complete violation of the trust, complete violation of the agreement. This is not why we uh, founded this company for. 
Uh, and that's why we have zero tolerance to this activity. And th that's the, the reason that we shut down the system in the past. So it sounds like you purposefully can't monitor your customer's use because you don't want to be in their business, if you will. But when you are aware that there might be abuse, you have the tools to investigate the abuse. And if it turns out that a customer has breached the rules of the game, the contract, the human rights rules, etc., you have the ability to actually shut the system down and even terminate the agreement. Definitely, definitely. And, and more than that, uh, we uh, announced in uh, 2020, in the beginning of 2020, uh, we were the first company in Israel and the first cyber company in the world that adopted the United Nations Guiding Principles for Human Rights. It means that uh, we have a lot of uh, mechanisms of uh, uh, vetting customers, due diligence customers, understanding uh, what is uh, the necessary uh, human rights. We, we, we built some mechanisms and, and, and we changed completely the way that we are uh, engaging with customers. We've changed completely the way uh, uh, that we choose the customers and, and, and how we can, from one hand, enable them uh, to get those technologies. From the other hand, make sure that they will not, like, like you said, violate uh, human rights. Uh, it's always tough and, and it's always, you know, the tension between uh, privacy and security. But I think there is uh, one line which I, I think it's, uh, it's very obvious. And like I said, journalists, di dissidents, activists, human rights activists, all of them cannot be targeted by Pegasus if somebody will violate it and if somebody will use those tools uh, against them we will know about it and we will shut them down. What if any of those people are suspected of a crime? I assume then the system can be used um, to target them, no different than targeting anybody else in the country, in the host country, who might be suspected of crime, or you specifically exclude these groups of people under any circumstance? Currently, we don't have a way to exclude those uh, a group of people, although uh, we would be more than happy uh, to join forces with the global community and, and, and with journalists, you know, there may be to build like a list, external list, that uh, will be like a white list that nobody will be able to add their numbers uh, to be a target of Pegasus. And, and I think we have some ideas, but uh, we will need cooperation from those groups if they're willing to accept uh, a cooperation with us. Uh, but, but like you said, in a rare cases, and, and it's our rare cases, that human rights activists is also a part of criminal activity or terror activities. Obviously, uh, it will not consider a misuse, but the government that did it will need to provide a lot of evidence to us in order to make us believe uh, that it was uh, indeed part of uh, criminal activity. Uh, for example, he, you know, he was a spy. For example, he was a murderer, for example, he was a pedophile. So, so it doesn't automatically give you immunity against the law, uh, but it's definitely will still trigger an investigation from our side. And what's the response of the Pegasus Project or any of the critics when you walk them through what sounds to me like a highly thoughtful, carefully crafted set of rules and remedies, even though not perfect, but 
nothing is perfect, right? Nothing perfect. Yeah. What's their response? Because when I read the criticism, I don't see any of this uh, at all analyzed. I did see it in the Washington Post article and some of the other press, which is good, but I don't see that from the critics. Do they not acknowledge the existence of these things? So, so, so you know, it, it depends. Uh, I, I had, uh, I've been in a panel once uh, with some uh, human rights uh, NGO or activists that, uh, you know, there, there was the most radical uh, left, if you would say, that told me, we're willing to suffer uh, every few years 9-11 terror attacks, sort of 9-11 terror attacks, but uh, we want uh, technologies like NSO would not be exist and nobody would violate the privacy. So for those critics, I have nothing to say. You know, you know the gap is too far away. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I'm just curious. Was that person an American? Are you able to say? He, he was not an American. Okay, well, that person has no right to say something so disgusting. I, I, I agree with you, but, 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 you know, I think it's, it's the, the radical of the radicals. And, and again, from those people, I'm not even, uh, you know, the gap is too far away between us, okay? Uh, from the other hand, I think that there needs to be regulation. I think that the critics saying, that uh, the company is not regulated. I think that the company thinks that there are certain countries that you should not sell to. You only need to sell, for example, to democratic countries. Uh, although, you know, the same critics are telling us that we should only sell to democratic country, countries criticize us for selling. And again, I'm not saying that we did uh, work there, but they are saying, okay, uh, that the, they are criticized us for providing tools allegedly to India. Now, India is the largest democracy in the world. So you're saying that uh, a, a bit for a billion Indians, for them, it's not a democracy or it's not a good enough democracy. You know, I, I find it very disturbing. So when we're talking about criticism, I think that in order to understand the criticism and in order to have a really good debate, first, I think everybody should understand what is the pain and what is the need. That's number one. Number two, everybody should understand what is the alternatives. And I think that most of the critics don't understand not the pain and not the alternatives. And forget about terror for a second, forget about hard crime. Let's talk something, let, let's talk about an issue that globally it's a problem. Let's talk about pedophiles. And, and pedophiles today is not somebody waiting for your uh, girl or boy outside the uh, kindergarten. Today, most of the pedophiles working in the cyber world uh, through instant messaging, through social media, they're arresting uh, young girls, they, they, they ask them to do a lot of things and, and upload some photos and then share those photos in the dark web or where they things. And there is no way, no way, because of the end-to-end -end encryption, that you can catch those pedophiles using normal method because of the encryption. So the only way to catch those uh, predators is using cyber capabilities. That's the only way to catch them. And every time that I'm talking to the critics of cyber or cyber tools, I'm asking them, what is the alternative? What, what other solution do you have? And by the way, I, I say to them something else. I'm saying to them, and, and I, I said it many times, and I'm saying it here very loud and very clear. I wish that there is an alternative. For me, I really want to see the day that we could shut down 
Pegasus and not sell it anymore because there would be other solution, better solution, uh, solutions that, you know, will keep the privacy of all the people but will provide tools to the intelligence agencies. And until that day, everybody's shouting, you know, it's violation of the privacy, it shouldn't be exist, tools like this uh, are very harmful. You know, I think that, you know, pedophiles and terrorists and, and drug lords and criminals are much more harmful than a solution that is a very a target-centric, that's sold with a very narrow, narrow, narrow capabilities uh, under regulation to certain and specific countries, you know, and, 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 and everybody should, you know, should, should do the math, what is more important. And, and there is no right or wrong answer. And obviously, like you said, there is all, we can always put more mechanism to make the product more safe and to keep the privacy of uh, certain groups uh, safer. Uh, we will be more aggressive uh, against the customer who will violate the trust that we give them. Uh, but eventually, tools like this are essentials to keep our safety, our child's safety, and the world's safety. It's as simple as that. Putting aside the person who you sat on a panel with who made that just terrific comment about 9-11, are the critics really just not going from step one to step two, meaning are they prepared to sit in front of a victim of pedophilia, the parents of the victim of pedophilia, and say to them, look, the technology exists that might have allowed us to stop this ahead of it or to catch the person, but because there is abuse some abuse, we decided that nobody should have the benefit from the sophisticated software, and that could be why your child suffered this. Is that really what they're saying, or do they not just think steps ahead of their actual criticism? Again, I, you, you know, that's basically what they're saying, uh, and they're carving out. They're saying, okay, so, so if those tools are important, so government should develop it themselves and not uh, buy them in the commercial market for those tools that cannot be exist. Which again, you, you, you know, not a lot of countries could develop those capabilities. This is why they need to purchase them. Like not a lot of countries made aircraft and they're buying it from the US and from other vendors. And not a lot of uh, countries, you know, know, knows how to develop X-ray machines and, and, and MRIs and they're buying it from external not everybody should invent everything in, in, in their own country. And, and this is why we need, uh, from one hand, regulation, but we also need commercial technologies uh, like that that will solve in transparency and will solve uh, under regulation. That's at least uh, my point of view. I'm not even sure that that would solve the problem, right? So fine, there might be a few countries that don't have the money to develop the technology, but... Ultimately, countries could spend the money, even if it's unwise, as you say, to do it, develop it. And the same countries that abuse it, if it's developed by a company, a commercial company, would just abuse their own technology. So I don't understand the logic of them saying that that's the solution to their problem. I think, to me, it sounds like it's a binary choice. We either accept the fact that spying, while it's a dirty business, it's you know one of the oldest professions in the world and necessary for safety and security, even if it has a an ugly underbelly with uh, misuse. But if people have to choose between some abuse, but safety for as many people as possible from terrorism, crime, pedophilia, all the things that you mentioned, 
I would guess most people would be interested in having this around. What's your take on, on public, like American public, worldwide opinion? Again, putting aside radicals who will never be satisfied with anything and all that. I'm getting a lot of feedbacks, despite all the criticism that we are doing the right thing. A lot of, a lot of feedbacks uh, in, in Twitter, in uh, LinkedIn, in emails that we are receiving in the company uh, that people basically said, you know, if you have tools to, to keep, to save lives, to prevent crime, to prevent terror, uh, to keep track from uh, pedophiles, keep doing the, the great things that you are doing. And I will tell you two more things. One, you know, saying that uh, those tools not exist, it's like, you, you know, I, I'm giving the example that we are like a car manufacturer, okay? So we're selling a car, and we need to make sure that the driver is a professional driver and he has a license. And when we sold the car, if he decides, you know, to drink and he go drunk and hit somebody, it's his fault, okay? And he's the one to blame. You need to blame the driver, not the car manufacturers. And when the critic says, oh, you should stop doing uh, or you should stop uh, selling cars or you should stop manufacturing cars, I, I think that they are not referring to the real problem. I think what we should make sure is how we do not give drunk drivers to drive in a car. So, so this is my comparison to that. And the second thing I would like to say is that, you know, what, what gives us the strength to continue dealing with what we are doing? After all the criticisms, after, you know, we are uh, probably the, the bad poster boy uh, of uh, this industry, whether we like it uh, or not, is the result and the success. Thank you letters that we're receiving from uh, intelligence organizations around the world. Thanking us for the technology, telling us that how many lives were saved using this technology. Uh, you know, sharing with us information that they caught the biggest uh, drug shipment that they ever caught or prevented a terror attack or a suicide uh, a bomber right before he went into uh, the, the metro, uh, or uh, prevent a terror attack in a stadium, uh, or caught pedophiles. And every time something like that happened, you know, we're receiving uh, thank you letters and recognitions from head of states, from Ministry of uh, Defense, from head of intelligence organization, that, you, you know, telling us very straightforward, without the, your technology, we could not prevent those activities. And this is what gives us the energy to wake up every day and, and, and go to work despite all the criticism and despite all the uh, cynical and despite all the radicals as uh, it's calling uh, to shut us down. I had a breakdown this conversation into three parts. I guess number one, what I hear you saying is you not only thought of some of these issues, abuse, misuse of the technology, but you put into place, and the government, your government put into place, as many rules as possible to try to address those concerns and remedies if somebody breaches. And, and you know, I hear you saying loud and clear, nothing is perfect. So you may not know about the breach. Um, the investigation may not prove out the breach. So it's not a perfect system, but it sounds like there is no perfect system. The second is that the people who are criticizing you and some of the criticism is valid. Yes, there is abuse, but they're choosing between shutting down an entirely um, necessary system to protect people 
and uh, in order to avoid some limited abuse. They're choosing the safety of or um, privacy of a small group of people over almost world security, if you will. And the third category, what I'm hearing is that even if they successfully shut down Pegasus, I don't hope for that, but even if they did, what they don't seem to understand is there are other Pegasuses today, or even if there aren't, there'll be 10 other Pegasuses tomorrow. So it's uh, it's a useless exercise almost. Is that how this debate is really to be understood? I, I think you are absolutely right. By the way, there are other Pegasus, and, and they are most of the time not regulated, and, and most of the time nobody knows where they're coming and, and who they belong to. And, and I think that um, that governments actually, and we see it day after day, eventually governments wants to buy from a regulated company and wants to have this uh, regime because think that every government that you are selling to is basically you going a vetting process. Eventually a government, specifically if it's a Western European government, will not buy a product from you if you are violated human rights in other places, right? So, so think about the scrutiny that we going time after time uh, when, when we are engaging with intelligence agencies of a Western European country. Eventually they need to check the facts and, and they check the facts time after time after time and they figure out that most of the criticism about us and most of the publication about us were most of the time wrong and we're being blamed for things that we have not done uh, in the past. But they were horrible things, you know, we've been blamed for Hashugji, we've been blamed for Jeff Bezos, we, we actually checked those things time after time after time. We gave uh, external people to, to, to share, we shared with them, again, under the regulation and what we can do to, to see the results. And, and, you know, we know that most of the publications are wrong, and, and yet we're getting blamed time after time after time. Uh, but like I said, we, we are strong. We believe in what we are doing. Uh, uh, we will continue to do it because we believe that the main goal is eventually saving lives, keeping lives and make sure that uh, uh, nobody will misuse the product because they are uh, powerful tools and, 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 you know, we really care uh, who the customer is and we don't want to sell to customers that will violate human rights. Well, Shalev, thank you. This was highly informative to me and I hope to my audience, and I really appreciate your frankness and transparency and, and honesty. Uh, so thanks so much for educating me about uh, this product and your approach and the criticism. Thank you for inviting me. For me, it was a great uh, conversation. Congratulations on this uh, new uh, podcast. Thank uh, you so much. I, I heard the first uh, episode and they were great. So uh, keep the great work. I appreciate Shalev Julio joining me for this episode and for not shying away from responding to the criticism against NSO. Whether we like it or not, the reality is that if there's a reason for someone to spy on you, there are all sorts of tools used by governments and others all over the world to do so. These tools get more sophisticated all the time. This is almost certainly not going to change because there's too much at stake, especially as criminals and terrorists get more and more sophisticated. Are those who criticize NSO and others like NSO willing to allow criminals and terrorists to use ever more sophisticated tools, yet allow law enforcement to fall behind, even though some people abuse the spying tools that keep us all safer? The critics of NSO seem to think that stopping NSO will stop the abuse of spyware. My personal opinion? I don't think it's true. I think other companies already have or will develop the technology and the same issues will arise. And Spyro will continue to evolve and get more sophisticated. 
Others who develop spyware may not have the controls in place NSO has established. Though NSO's controls and remedies for abuse have limitations, as Shalev has acknowledged. These are tough questions to think about. My view, I would rather know that law enforcement has the latest and best tools in the market to keep us safe, even if some abuse those tools. The abusers of the technology will continue to act as they do, and we would be less safe if we prevent sophisticated spyware from being used by the good guys. Tough questions, no perfect answers, but choices do need to be made. If you found this podcast with Shalev Julio of NSO interesting, please do listen to my other podcasts on The Diplomat. We've had a great lineup of guests so far and more interesting guests and topics to come. And please do share the podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm Jason Greenblatt, and this is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek.